Welcome to the Glitching Metal Podcast, where I discuss anything and everything hard rock and heavy metal, new and old. Welcome to episode two of the Glistening Metal Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Stockton, and thank you for joining me as we talk about your favorite and not-so-favorite hard rock and heavy metal groups from the past and present. Today, we are looking at the second album from Black Sabbath, released literally almost just right after their debut, entitled Paranoid. Now, this album is probably, arguably, their most famous. They really honed in the sound that they kind of discovered on the first album. It's a little bit more refined here, but this album essentially is just a... Ah, what would you call it? Total... My brain totally just shut off right there. It's totally an extension of those songs with a couple extra ideas and stuff thrown in. Um, this album, much like the first, recorded uh, pr- or produced by Roger Bain, who produced the first one, um, at Regent Sound, once again. It was recorded from the 16th to the 21st of June, 1970. So again, not a long time. Pretty impressive for a band that's only on their second album. But at this point, these guys knew really what they wanted to do. Um a little bit of history. The album was originally supposed to be called War Pigs. Um, hence why the cover has nothing to do with the title that we all know, uh, Paranoid. Um, I mean, it, even if some people have never seen the cover, which I don't know how you have, and how you have the <laughs> this guy, it's almost like psychedelic looking. Um, with like a sword and shield, he looks like a like a guard or something. I feel like with the War Pigs title, it definitely would have made more sense. But hey, we got what we got. Um, not really one of my favorite covers of theirs, but it's interesting. Uh, even though it it doesn't, it never really landed quite for me. Um, and also the title track, well the the title track that actually became the title track, Paranoid, which is the most simple song that they had written up to this point. Probably still, even through the entire Black Sabbath discography, probably the most simple song they ever wrote. Uh, it was actually supposed to be a filler song. They realized they needed one more song. And Iomi just came up with the riff, and they kind of just came up with it in like a half hour. Um... All lyrics here, of course, by Geezer. Uh, Ozzy had vocal melodies, as he usually, as he pretty much does throughout the entire Sabbath career. And, yeah, it there's not much you can say about this album. Like the first, that's already been said, it, it is a classic. So, today I'm going to actually start trying to go track by track. So, I guess I'll get into it with track one, of course. Everyone knows it. It's played at every Black Sabbath show. It's Heavy Metal 101, War Pigs. Uh, War Pigs being the first song on the album. And you notice, in the lyrical content, this is an album that has a pretty good political charge to it. Uh, I mean, all you gotta do is listen to the lyrics of this, this song. Generals gathered in their masses, like witches and black masses. 
Um, obviously, there's a comparison there and things like that. They send us out to fight and stuff like that. Although I might have just butchered that lyric, but I'm just talking off the top of my head. Um, but I feel like the real shining factor here is the actual the, the crafting of the song. How many different turns and stuff it takes. It has that looming riff that it opens with and then it goes into that stop and kind of start kind of thing where Ozzy, Ozzy sings riff. Ozzy sings with the, with the hi-hat in the back. And then it goes into the main riff which is this really kind of interesting time signature to it. This this album, like the first, is full of a lot of different interesting time signatures. Again, showing off that really jazzy aspect that especially early Sabbath was known for. Um, it really hits roughly around the solo when all three members are just kind of, they're really going for it. Um, Geezer is just all over the fretboard on his bass and while Tony is just keeping it totally one of his most memorable solos easily it's like a multi-tracked solo which is really really cool um but yeah there's so many different twists and turns in just the, this song alone that it already exceeds your expectations for a second album from these guys they just it's extremely tight and how it ends it it ends like they end on that that last riff but it's it's sped up so it's sped up so it kind of just sputters right at the end. And it works really well. Well, I'm I usually like a band to end a song fluently right then and there, but this it just feels it feels like it works for this. Um that kind of studio tampering. And then um yeah, it's it's one of the longer songs on the album which I always thought was interesting for an opener, but it really, I think it's it's kind of like this, it's a, a statement for them to show just right off the bat how how talented they, they are and that they mean it. Uh, this leads us into track two, which is quite starkly different from War Pigs. Uh, this is Paranoid, the title track. It's really straightforward, really punky almost. Um, the easiest song on the album to, to follow. And is the, the solo, again, iconic. It's got a bit of a different sound to it. I think he sounds like he's playing out of like a ring modulator to add that fuzzy tone to it. But overall, a song that has still pretty dark lyrics to it, um, especially for the time. And yeah, it's like I said, it's a classic song. It's probably the most well-known Black Sabbath song besides track four on the album, but we'll get there. Next up is Planet Caravan, one of my favorite songs on the album. This is one of their first kind of forays into a, a ballad of softer song. Uh, it's got a bit of a psychedelic feel to it, which I really like. And the effect on Ozzy's vocals is really cool. Uh, and how he sing I love how he sings this song. Uh, when he's like, we sail through endless skies, stars shine like eyes, the black night sighs. It's totally, Geezer really knew how to paint kind of this really psychedelic out there picture with the lyrics here. And I've always loved it. The guitar solo 
is really, really good too. It's very soft in the mix, but it's it's a real highlight to show a different side of, of Tony, and I feel like it really, really works here. Uh, track four, we are up to Iron Man. Uh, arguably, people know Iron Man more than they know Paranoid. Um, it's an iconic riff. It it's been I mean it's been parodied. It's been pl- it's arguably been played to death. Uh, the first I actually listened to the album to kind of get get it back uh, fresh in my mind the other day, and I listened to Iron Man because I was like I haven't heard it in a while because I just couldn't listen to it anymore. But I, it, it was nice to have kind of a fresh perspective on it. And to know how well of a song it is, how well it's written as a song. Sorry, I mix my words up from time to time. Uh, it really hits home. And the solo, I've always loved the solo as well as the end piece where the band kind of speeds up. And Tony plays that melodic riff and it keeps going and going until it, it stops with such just such power when it just goes and goes it's just such a perfect ending because the band is just totally firing on all cylinders at that point and for it to just end like that it it really just hits you over the head it it, it's crazy um but i guess a song that well known of course it it would make you feel that way uh up next is my personal favorite song on the album is Electric Funeral. Uh, total proto doom. Any doom band you hear, it's all centered around a song like Electric Funeral. That doom, it's that that kind of strange, ominous chord structure that really works, that really provides that template. Um, and with the, it, I love Tony with a little bit of wah on it. It sounds great. And then this is another song where it kind of, it's brooding. And then it kind of comes to a head in the middle. And then it has, this song has a really jazzy kind of middle part with a, like with the starts and stops, but the band really play it tight. Um, really solid. And the lyrics, again, are partially politically charged. They deal with uh, nuclear war, the effects of nuclear war, because at the time that was kind of, we're in the heart of the Cold War. It totally, it, 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 it relates to that time especially very well. And then you have... After that, you have another song that is arguably politically charged. You have track six, which is another absolute classic. I mean, this entire album, let's face it, this entire album is full of classics. But Hand of Doom, I feel like, is a song that is really, that really hits the nail on the, um, like I said, Electric Funeral is a template for, for Doom Modern modern doom metal, doom metal all the way back in the 80s when Trouble and Candlemass and all those kind of bands got started. Hand of Doom, I believe, had just as much of a hand, no pun intended, in that as well. 
Uh, that bass riff is just, it's iconic. As simple as it is, it just grooves. The song just has such a groove to it. The band is kind of playing with an idea about uh, people coming back from Vietnam and they're they're having severe drug addictions, which is a very dark subject, but it, it works so well because they play it so straight, especially in Geezer's lyrics. They They really do play it well. And I believe some of these songs were written after some experiences they've had on tour for their first album. And that kind of, I think, fed some of these lyrics. I believe in Tony's book, they talk about the, uh, they played in Zurich and they kind of, they were kind of seeing some depressing stuff. And that's how Geezer really wrote the lyrics for War Pigs. I mean, Geezer is just a master lyricist. Um, you can tell in the early, in the later Sabbath stuff when I get there, how different the lyrics are because it's, it's not written by him. There it's, he just has a style just so unique and it's really not replicated much by a lot of other vocalists. But then again, just about every lyricist has their style. So geezer is just, it works perfectly, especially for this era of black Sabbath. It's just, it defines classic. So after Hand of Doom, we get track seven, which is an instrumental. One of the first ones uh, they've they've done. I think it's the first one. Well, it kind of, um, relating back to the first album, how some of those songs were kind of coupled with each other. As a standalone track, it technically, I guess, is... Um, but I guess that's not a huge, that doesn't matter a whole ton. Uh, but it's Rat Salad, another really jazzy kind of piece uh, that really gives Bill Ward the spotlight to show just how much of a monster drummer he is. Uh, the whole middle section is just him going freaking ham on his on his kit. And then he goes back into the main riff. Um, I really like how this riff, how it, it builds up. Uh, note-wise, it, ke it keeps going up, and it, it just, it works. It just follows such a heavy groove that, as simple as it kind of seems, it does repeat quite a bit. It's, it's structured very well. And they use this, at least the two times that I saw Sabbath, they use this for um, kind of the segue into Tommy Clefitos, who was their last touring drummer's um, uh, his his extended drum solo, which I feel like it's it's perfect for that kind of thing live. So yeah, it's it's a good song, even if it technically is kind of just a filler piece as it goes by so quick. But it's great. Um, up next we have finally we have Fairies Wear Boots, which was originally about. A story where they were attacked by skinheads at their studio. I believe it was supposed to be a dig at um, like skinheads and things like that. But the lyrics kind of go into hallucinating hallucinations and stuff like that. So it, it kind of... The lyrics kind of took two different ways, I guess, with that. But again, it's a song that musically 
it shines as the band again go into that really jazzy kind of phase. Um, a lot of really crazy drum fills by Bill, which are all over this album. Uh, I can't count how many fills he does throughout this album. It's crazy. And the Ozzy, Ozzy, I feel like this is my favorite song on the album that he, uh, his vocal wise, it just, his vocals just follow, uh, Tony's really frenetic kind of bouncy riff really well. And I feel like it just, they, his vocals play off, uh, the band extremely well in the song, especially, um, and when he goes, all right now, and then the band just goes into a total jam. It it just works so well for an ending song. I feel like it 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 really hits its mark, and it's it, it's still to this day one of my favorite Black Sabbath songs. So that is the album. Again, like I said, it's very much in vain of their the first album. There's not a lot of what would come later on albums like Volume 4 and Sabbath Bloody Sabbath with a lot of orchestral stuff and different ideas and stuff. It's very much still in that 70s heavy rock vein. But for a second album, damn. It's it's just crazy how they... how iconic it, it already became. Um, I believe the album already did start selling. It was selling well when it came out. If I remember correctly, they did tour America. They either toured America on this album or right after Master of Reality was released. I don't remember. Um, but that was kind of when they started to gravitate more towards like California and stuff like that. But we'll get there uh, probably with Master of Reality. As with their later albums, it's easier to kind of document where they're headed. Because within these first couple of albums, they were just released. Couple a uh, small tour release tour, and then once, um, kind of like where they bridge between their third and fourth album is where they kind of get more. It becomes this larger than life kind of thing, but at this point, they're still this rough, heavy English rock band that no one knows a ton about. But damn, they can write some songs, uh, and they stick in your head too because. I heard these songs at a very young age. Granted, I'm only 25. <laughs> so they were already not new songs when I had first heard them. But when I had first heard these songs when I was a young kid, I, they they just stuck. Because of just how, how well-crafted they are. And it, everything just seemed to be right place and right time. And... I mean, even on FM radio, like I've talked in the past, as much as I hate it, Paranoid, War Pigs, and Iron Man still get played like crazy. Well, after 50 years of being released, that says something. That really says something. Um, And I think it's really testament to early Black Sabbath. Uh, especially even if this is an album, I'll be honest, I don't go to back to a ton because it is an album that I've heard millions and millions of times to the point where songs like Iron Man are done to death. War Pigs, hell yeah, I will still jam that song. But a song like Iron Man has been done to death for me. And I don't ever need to hear it again. 
I can appreciate the the significance behind it. Like this whole album, I can I can appreciate the hell out of this album's significance to hard rock music, to heavy metal music, to just rock music in general. But um I just don't need to listen to it as much as um uh some of their later albums and more lesser known albums because I can literally pretty much hum every song on this album. But like I said, that's a testament to just how good and solid of a record it is. Um they literally I believe within a year they were back in the studio for Massive Reality and we will get to that one next week. That is kind of going to be a bigger one for me to discuss um, with a lot of my thoughts on what I think about a lot of the songs and stuff. Um, but yeah, Paranoid, you can't do wrong with. It is, every song is solid on it. And like I said, there's obvious reasons why it's arguably the most influential heavy metal album of all time. I know that's kind of a loaded gun right there, uh, but it it's a lot of people say that it is, and I can see so many different things come out of just this album. Obviously, most notably, but like things like doom metal and stuff like that. But you can tell how much of an impression this album made on people, uh, and it continue and will continue to do for years on end. As long as us, the fans, keep it alive. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of like my thoughts and a little bit of background information on Paranoid. Uh, that was episode two. Let me know what you guys think. You can get in touch with me on the Glistening Metal Podcast Instagram page. Uh, I'll have a link up on there to uh, listen to this, obviously. Um, I'll have a post up there soon you guys can comment you can message me uh like i said good comments negative comments anything that i can do better you guys just let me know so far i'm having a blast with doing this i hope anyone that's listening is enjoying following along um i appreciate it guys stay heavy